for now. But for now, we're going to go to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. A little bit of a lengthy reading. Um, but if you don't mind standing in honor of the word of the Lord. Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to read. Verses 1 through 9 today. I do want to say how good it is to have each of you here. And I also want to say how good it is to see your faces. Uh, after after um, more than a year of having to wear masks all the time. Um, and again, I said the other night, I say again, I, I still want us to be careful. There's still a whole lot going on. And, you know, my wife was explaining at our leadership meeting yesterday that some people may ask why she's still wearing a mask. And, but she's got a lot of family members that are still suffering from COVID. A lot of friends she grew up with that are have recently died from it, and um, she's just trying to be extra cautious, and that's number one, and number two, she said, if we have somebody come in that feels like they need to wear one, I don't want them to feel like they're the only person, so so I, I honor that, um, but um, that's her conviction, not mine, praise God, hallelujah. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, honestly, I, I, with all the allergies I've been suffering from, when I put that mask on, I, I get to where I can't breathe now, and it just, I can't take it, so I'm, I'm sorry, uh, don't want to offend anybody, but I'm just glad to not have to put it on, so I can breathe again, praise God, hallelujah, now if you get a fever, you get to feeling bad, please don't come to church. Don't spread it. We don't want another outbreak. That's why we offer services online. We don't want another outbreak. But if you're feeling good, we're glad to have you in the house of the Lord. Well, praise God. And as long as you're not contagious, even if you're not feeling too good, you can come to the house of God. You'll feel better by the time you leave. Just so you're not contagious and don't go spreading it to everybody. Praise God. All right. Some things we want to share. Some things we want to keep to ourselves, right? Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give them even to the children of Israel. I want you to pay attention to verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, 
all the land of the Hittites and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe it not just for Joshua? Verse 3, in all of these things that, 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 God said here to Joshua as he assumes the reins of leadership after the death of Moses. There is a statement here to which I want to call your attention. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. So I want to I want to preach to you for a little while here this morning from this simple thought. Put your foot That's what some of us need to do. Some of us just need to put our foot down. Some of us need to just quit letting the devil shove us around. The promises that God's given us. Well, is anybody going to help me here today? All the things that God has said. At some point, you got to get tired of the devil's lies, of his intimidation, and you just got to put your foot down. Oh, hallelujah. Would you, would you put your Bible down now and, and raise your hands and let's ask God to speak to us 
today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. I want God to build some faith here in this house today. Let's, let's, let's talk to the Lord right now. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. There's no telling what God will do before this service is over if you'll just put your foot down. Hallelujah, amen, amen. God bless you, you may be seated. Now, by the way, I just thought if any of you are interested in that podcast, I don't know if it's available on Google Play. You may have to be an apostolic in order to get it. I don't know, but I know it's available on Apple Podcasts and it's simply called James Davis Legacy, James Davis Legacy. And it looks like they haven't uploaded anything maybe since about December of last year. So I don't know if he's gonna continue that, but there's plenty there to listen to if you wanna hear. And it's not just his messages, but... Some of the elders that have gone on before, some of you might remember Brother Lonnie Marcus has preached here a few times, and, and what a great man he was. I called him a gentle giant. He just, he had a, a heart the size of Texas, I'm telling you, Brother Marcus, and they've got a message by him. Elder McLean that I served under for two years, they got a message by him on there, and, and others. And so it's just, there's some good, good, good listening there. And uh, so if you want to try to find that, it's James Davis Legacy, and I know it's available on Apple Podcasts. I don't know about Google Play or wherever else it might be, but you can search for it if you'd like. Hallelujah. Can't always recommend everything that's out there, but I feel confident in recommending that one. Amen. Um, so let's get to the message today. I feel this. I feel this today. In this passage of Scripture, we see where God spoke specifically to Joshua concerning the days that lay immediately ahead for him and for all of Israel. He began by stating the obvious fact that Moses is dead. Now, you know, again, that's an obvious fact. I mean, Israel has spent their time grieving over Moses. They've they spent a full month grieving over Moses. They, you understand, he's been their leader now for 40 long years. And uh, so you've got, uh, and, and again, think back. You, you know, everyone that was over the age of 20 that left Egypt died in the wilderness. 
And so all of those that are standing now ready to cross the Jordan over into the land of Canaan, Moses is the only leader they've ever known. They're born and raised under the leadership of Moses. It's all they've known. And now he's dead. And uh, there's an uncertainty about what lies ahead for them. Hello? They're not sure about what's going to happen in the future because they've never been here before. There's new territory to conquer. All they've known is wandering in the wilderness and all they've known is being led through that wilderness by Moses. Now all of a sudden, we got to do something totally different than we've ever done before and we got a different man taking us there than we've ever known. And, and, and uh, no, this is not a resignation message, so don't think I dealt with that Tuesday night, all right? We're not, we're, not, we're not going there. We're not going there. Praise God. In fact, we sat down yesterday at our leadership conference, and, and we, planned out, we planned out some things all the way to, to uh, 2026. 2020. We got things. We got things we're, we've already put on the schedule for my 30th. So it's, it's, it's already on the calendar. So just don't, don't, be, don't be counting on anything uh, anytime soon. Praise God, unless I kick the bucket. And if I kick it, I'm going to kick it so hard. Some of you kick it too. Praise God. Just, so don't be praying for me to kick it. I, I, I'm, I'm planning on living a while, all right? So let me get, I, I got I to quit all this foolishness. Pray, that was something else that I guess my pastor stirred up in me because he got to doing some of that too. All right, so here, here we are, and he, th- this is all they've known. This is all they have ever known is wandering in the wilderness and being led by the man Moses, and God says, all of that's done. Now, let me tell you what the significance of that is and why God is stating the obvious here. It's, it's because God is saying to them, it's time to forget about the past. I know that for 40 years, you haven't really made any progress. I know that for 40 years, you've walked the same circular path over and over and over. You have encompassed the same mountain for 40 long years. Every time you turn around, you're right back at the same place you started maybe a year or two before. And God said, I know that's the way it's been, but all of that changes today. Something new is about to happen. It's time to forget about the past. It's time to say, I'm not going back that direction anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. We're done with all of that. We're going forward. It's time to take new territory. It's time to experience something new. Amen. I know, I know, uh, in the book, The Reason of Life, written by George Santayana, he made the statement that we often repeat, and it's been attributed to many others, but it was in his book that it was stated that those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And I, I... I agree with that. I agree with that. There is a purpose and a need to remember the past. 
There's a reason for it. But I also agree with what the late President John Kennedy said. He said, those who look only to the past or present are certain to miss the future. So yeah, we gotta, we gotta look at the past and we, can't re- we, we, we cannot forget the pit God dug us out of. And we cannot forget the fight that our elders fought. We cannot forget, amen, the things, the battles that were won in days gone by, nor do we need to forget our past mistakes, failures, missteps, lest we repeat them. But I'm going to tell you, at some point, we got to quit dwelling there. At some point, we've got to make up our minds that our past does not determine our future. At some point, we've got to say it stops today. Well, hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this world wants to convince young people if your daddy was an alcoholic and his daddy was an alcoholic, then you have to be an alcoholic. But I'm telling you, that's not true. I'm telling you, you can make up your mind that today the alcoholism stops. I'm finished with that path, and today I'm starting something new. My family's not going that direction. Well, I feel like preaching a little bit here today. (laughs) Hallelujah. Just because... Just because you come from a life of poverty and struggle doesn't mean you got to stay that way. Just because you come from a history of bondage, captivity, doesn't mean you got to stay there. I'm telling you, at some point, you just wake up and say, you know what? Moses is dead. Moses is dead. Egypt is a long ways from where I am right now. And I have no intention on going back there. I'm looking now at another river. It was my forefathers that came across the Red Sea. And I don't care if I never see that Red Sea again. I'm looking now at the Jordan. And I'm going to cross it. I'm going to look at some land that God promised me. There's territory over there. There are cities over there. There are houses that I didn't build that God said I'm going to inhabit. There are vineyards I didn't plant that God said I'm going to eat of. There's promises on the other side of Jordan. I'm going to forget about yesterday. And I'm going to build a tomorrow of hope. Hallelujah. Israel's immediate past, their last 40 years had been years of loss and defeat. Millions, millions had died in the wilderness. It must have been, Brother Larson, it must have been a funeral every day. I mean, honestly, that's right, Brother. Brother Self, there had to have been a lot of graves in that wilderness. With, with all of the people that died in those 40 years, I'm telling you, every day somebody's dying. And sometimes they died by the thousands. 
you know, you just kind of get tired of death. And, and man, you can just live under that cloud of gloom and doom. And uh, it can get depressing. And now Moses, you know, hadn't been that long ago and Miriam, Moses' sister, died. Hadn't been that long ago Aaron, our high priest, died. Now Moses, what are we going to do now? I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to pick up the pieces and start something new. That's what you're going to do. We're not going to live with a funeral every day. We're going to start celebrating some births. That's what we're going to do. Well, somebody help me out here today. Amen. The past may have been one of defeat and one of death, but their future was to be one of victory and one of birth. There was promise on the horizon in spite of what the past had been. And, and as a part of this, great future that God laid out for the children of Israel. He gave Joshua a very special promise. Let's read it again. Joshua chapter 1 verse 3. Every place that the sole of your Every foot shall tread upon. place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon. That have I given unto you and as I said unto Moses. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon. Now this is interesting. Because God didn't say, Joshua, every place where you can go and build a home. Are you hearing me? He didn't say, Joshua, Every place that you can go and set up camp. He didn't even say, Joshua, every place that you can go and pitch a tent. Joshua, if you can just spend one night there, I'll give it to you. He didn't say that. He didn't say Joshua had to spend any time on that real estate. He just said, leave a footprint. If you'll just get your footprint on it, that's enough for me. That's all I'm looking for, Joshua. I'm gonna know what it is you want when I see your footprint. You put your foot down on a piece of property and I'm gonna sign the deed over to you. Now, it may not stay there very long. You don't have to dwell there. You don't have to be there overnight. You don't have to be there for, for 12 hours. You don't have to be there for 12 minutes. You just put your foot on it. And if you can get your foot solidly on that piece of property. I mean, how long does it take? does it take for me to put my foot somewhere that doesn't take a whole lot of time that doesn't take a whole lot of time one moment oh I feel like preaching today one moment 
just get it there. You just put it down and you keep moving. But you get your foot there and if you can just get it there for even one moment, it may not stay long. And the wind may blow that footprint away tomorrow, but it doesn't matter because God doesn't forget anything. God still remembers your foot was there. That's all God needs to know. There was a moment when you put your foot on that soil, Joshua. This is what God said to him. In fact, in fact, I can't see who's hiding behind that computer back there. Sister Jasmine, all right. All right, can you put that verse back up there for me for just a minute? I just... You know, I, I like to say, what's one of my favorite catchphrases, brother? Yeah, that's the one. Say it. Words mean things. Oh, that's profound, isn't it? That's profound. Words mean things. But I want you to notice the sole of your foot. That's singular. You don't even have to get both feet there. Children of Israel is going by. Wait, 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 wait. Hey, hang on, guys. You see this city right here? I ain't got time to stop, but it's all I need. Let's keep going. One foot. Wherever you place the sole of your foot, I'm going to give it to you. Well, hallelujah. If you can get the sole of your foot for just a moment, God said, it's yours, Joshua. <laughs> and so, they cross over Jordan. And God says, now, the first city you come to is a place called Jericho. Let me tell you how we're going to take this city. Let me tell you what I want you to do, Joshua. Get for me Joshua chapter 6, verses 2 through 4. And the Lord said unto Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua. See, I have given into I've, thine I've given hand, into thine hand Jericho, Jericho. And the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. Yeah. And ye shall so here's what I want you to do. Just compass the city. All ye men of, ye war, men of war. And go around, go around the city once. Once. Thus shalt thou do, do six days. For six days. Six priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. Uh-huh. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. Yeah. And the priest shall blow with the trumpet. Yeah. So God said, here's how you're going to take the city. I just want you walking around. I just want to instill this principle, Joshua. My promise to you was put your foot down. And if your foot's down, I give it to you. So I want to drill this home to you and all the children of Israel because I don't believe the promise was just to Joshua. But to the children of Israel, God is saying something to them. I just want you to get there and put your foot down on that piece of property. So God said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to drill this home. I want you to get out there the first day and you just walk around it. You just, just leave some footprints around that city. Day number two, get up and do it again. Now, God did tell him, said, don't say a word while you're doing it. I've talked about this before. God said, don't say a word while you're doing it. And now, now to put that in, 
modern vernacular, the Riggin revised version would say, just shut up and keep marching. Marching. Just keep your mouths closed. Because God knew these people. And he knew. One day of marching and nothing happens, they're going to be complaining. It's hot out there. Two days of marching and nothing happens, they're really going to complain. By the third day, they're out there marching again, nothing happens. And, and the people of Jericho are making fun of them, laughing at them, thinking they're stupid, thinking they're ridiculous, thinking they're crazy. What are you doing? Well, I'll tell you what we're doing. Now, they can't say it out loud. But Joshua knew in his mind, what we're doing, we're just putting our foot down. We're just doing what God told us to do. And you just wait. So you do that for six days on the seventh day. I want you to get up really early because you're going to make seven laps around it. And on that seventh lap, when you get through, let the, let the priest blow the trumpets. Amen. And at the sound of the trumpet, I want you to shout because God has given you the city. Wait a minute, God. Don't we need to pick up our, our weapons? Don't we need to grab our bows and arrows? Don't we need to get our slingshots? Don't we need to? No, no, no. You just shout. God gave it to you. When did he give it to us? I'll tell you. As your foot was being placed around that city. When you put your foot on that soil around Jericho, God says, this belongs to you. Every step was just another assurance to them that this was theirs. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Because we get into Joshua chapter 7 and they go to the second city. And uh, those of you who know what happened at Ai, they didn't, they didn't win at AI. And there was a reason why. And, and I understand the reason, but I submit to you today, there may have been more than one reason. We know about Achan. We know what he did. And we know once that was taken care of, they had victory. But, but there's something else that really goes unstated in all of this. But I want to show you, so you just follow with me, all right? Look at Joshua chapter 7 and verse 3. Listen to this. And they returned to Joshua. They returned to Joshua, him, and they said to him, Let not all the people go uh, We don't need all the people to go. But let about two let or three thousand men, men go. Up and smite Ai. Uh-huh. And make not all the people to labor we, thither. We, we don't want everybody to go. For they are they, but a few. But... but a few. And Joshua sent others, but he didn't go himself. Now stay with me. I'm not, I'm not trying to destroy your theology here. Achan was a big part of the problem. But I don't think Achan was the only problem. Everybody understand? He was a big part of the problem. He was a major part of the problem. But I don't think he was all of the problem. Joshua had been given a command. Everywhere that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I'm going to give it to you. 
But when it came to Ai, Joshua didn't go. And his foot didn't touch that ground. Oh, now did that really make a difference? Well, let's see. After they took care of Achan, let's see what happens in chapter 8, verses 3 through 5. So Joshua arose. So Joshua arose. And all the people of war go up against to go up against Ai. Joshua, Joshua chose 30,000 30, mighty men of valor. Sent them away by uh-huh. night. And he commanded them saying, Behold, And he said, You go ye shall lie, lie in wait against the city, against the city. Even behind the city. Yeah. Go not very far from the city. Yeah. But be ye all But be ready. Now listen to verse 5. And I, but I and all, and all people the people that are with me, that are, with me will approach unto the are city. going to the city. Shall come to pass when that they come out against uh-huh. us, as at the first, yeah. that we will flee before them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so he sets up this ambush. But it's interesting to me, Brother Goff, that part of the ambush was this. I'm not making this mistake again. God made me a promise that if my foot would go in that city, it's ours. So I'm not staying home this time. I'll let the men of valor go out there and set up an ambush, but I've got plans myself. I am going and putting my foot inside that city. I want to remind God that one belongs to me too. Oh, I wish somebody would get a hold of what I'm telling you. And from that time forward, every place throughout the book of Joshua, every city that they took, Joshua went to that city himself. Amen. Everyone, Makita, Libna, Lakish, Deeper, you go on down the list. Joshua was there. He made sure my foot is going to set inside that city limit. I'm going to put my foot down because God gave me a promise. Hallelujah. Now again, I, I, I know, please don't. I know Achan took of the accursed thing. Achan took that which was supposed to go into the treasury of the Lord. That's right, that's what it was. All, this was the first fruits of their conquest of Canaan. And God said the first always belongs to me. And it was symbolic of tithing. That's what it was. But Achan decided he wasn't giving that to God. And so he took it and kept it himself. But now I'm just going to tell you this. I, I don't know how, Brother Goff, but I think had Joshua been at Ai, I think God could have just reached down and smote Achan Because God made a promise to Joshua that if the sole of your foot gets there, I'm going to give you that city. And he didn't give him any exceptions. Is anybody listening to me today? Now, here's what I'm preaching to the truth church and to those that are listening today. I'm convinced that whatever you want from God, 
I don't care what the devil has said to you. The devil wants you to believe that you just got to keep on trying to muster faith. You got to keep on trying to believe from now until it happens. You got to keep on trying to hang on. No matter what happens, no matter what comes your way, no matter how long it is, I'm just going to tell you, I think there's a principle right here in the book of Joshua that all it takes is one moment. You put your foot of faith down on that parcel of ground that you're needing from God. I'm telling you, I don't think you got to build a home there. I don't think you got to spend the night there. I'm telling you, you put your foot down. Let it be solid. Let God know you believe it. There may be doubts. There may be questions. There may be discouragement somewhere. But God will never forget the footprint. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise God. I'm telling you, I know what it is to sit in a service and hear a preacher preach and your faith rise up and you believe it. I mean, in that moment, you got a hold of it. You believed it. You felt certain about it. God spoke to me in this service. God gave me an assurance in this service. But days pass, and weeks pass, and months pass, and nothing happens. And then the devil starts whispering in your ear, it wasn't God. That wasn't God. You thought it was. But if it was God, it would have happened. It hasn't happened. And then when you realize you're starting to doubt, then he comes along and he gets on the other shoulder and he said, see, you're doubting God. You just lost your promise. God is going to take it away from you because you doubted him. I'm here to tell somebody today, God just wanted to let you know whatever it was you believed him for in that moment when your foot was placed on that piece of property. I don't care what lie the devil told you later. I don't care how deep you sunk in discouragement. I don't care. Oh, I feel like preaching to somebody here. I don't care how dark the day's got. I'm here to tell somebody, God remembers. God still sees. The winds of time may have erased the footprint, but God still sees it. God still remembers it. God hasn't forgotten about it. promise again reach out for it again believe it again it's not over yet it's not done with God said it it's gonna come to pass God said it it's gonna happen just like he said it would Uh, yeah. 
know for a long time you held on. For a long time you were building a structure, a memorial of faith. You believed it, you believed it, you believed it. But one day it started to crumble. And your dream and your hope, it all started falling apart. And the devil said, it's not going to happen. You missed it. God was never in that. You misunderstood what he said. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody here today. I'm preaching to somebody. I feel this so strong. I feel this so strong. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you today. Amen. God knows. He sees. Amen. You're looking now at what used to be a beautiful edifice. And now it's all just crumbled. It's just wood and boards. And they're rotted. Amen. It's just debris. And it's scattered. And you see what happened I thought God promised it he did he did and let me tell you something faithful is he that promised faithful is he that promised God knows that we are but dust God understands the frailty of our humanity God understands the fleeting condition of our faith but I'm telling you God was moved by that one moment when your foot landed solidly God saw it God marked it down and God has never forgotten Oh, help me, Jesus. Mark chapter 5. I still got a ways to go here. Mark chapter 5. If, if the Holy Ghost will let me. And I think God knows. In fact, I know God knows. At any moment, he wants to just step in. It's fine with me. I don't have to finish these notes. Some things we just break off and do in series. Some things we just let go of and let God finish it up. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Mark chapter 5, I mentioned a while ago. Let's talk about this little woman. Mark chapter 5, and starting with verse number 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. And had suffered many things of many physicians. Suffered many things of many physicians. And had spent all that she had. She spent everything nothing better. that she had. But and rather grew worse. Didn't grow any better. She just kept getting worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind. She came into that crowd behind him. And touched his garment. And she touched his garment. For she said, if she I said, may touch but his clothes. If I, she said, if I can just touch his clothes. I shall be whole. I shall. And she didn't say, there's a good chance. Are you hearing me? She didn't say, you know, the odds are in my favor. I know this man's a healer. I've heard the stories. And just maybe he'll have mercy on me. He doesn't know me. I haven't ever done anything for him. But just maybe he'd have compassion and do something. She didn't say that. She said, if I can just touch his clothes, I 
shall. I shall. I shall. It's settled. I'm putting my foot down. No more doubts. No more questions. The only question is, can I fight the crowd? I've got no question about him. My question is whether or not I can get through the crowd. But if I can get through the crowd... I don't have to get up there close enough to see him face to face. I don't have to get close enough to have a conversation. All I got to do is get close enough to reach through somehow and just touch his clothes. And if I can get that close, I shall. I shall be whole. And verse 29 says, And straightway the straightway fountain of her blood was dried up. The fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt and in her she body. felt in her body. That she was healed that of that she plague. She was healed of that plague. Well, now, I mentioned earlier when I was giving you the pre sermon. That's right. Some of you sports fans, you know, you like the pregame. So I don't know why people don't like the pre-sermon. And I mean, if you're really a sports fan, you stick around for the post-game. And what you really like is if they go into overtime. But let the preacher try that. Well... Yeah, they got all these fantasy football. Maybe we just need to start a fantasy fellowship league or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Lord, help us. Uh, so anyhow. Anyhow, she knew, she knew, she knew. It was settled in her mind. There was no question that if I can just somehow touch his clothes, that's all it's going to take. I don't have to hold them for a certain amount of minutes. All I got to do is be able to get my finger out there long enough to make contact. And if I can make contact for just part of a second, that little bit of contact is all I need. And I shall be whole. And the Bible says that when she did it, straightway, she was healed and she felt that she was healed of that plague well praise god now the bible says in fact get your bible because i made mention of this and i just want to prove it you know sometimes i say things and people wonder is that really in the bible so I just want to prove to you that it really is in the Bible. So we're in Mark chapter 5, and I was going to have you skip down to verse 34, and I'm sorry, Sister Jasmine, uh, for throwing extra scriptures in for you, but I'm giving you some time to get them put in there. We're going to read uh, at least verse 30 here, and, and um, uh, I, think, I think we can skip from 30 to 34. So if you can just throw verse 30 in there for me, just so I can prove what I said a while ago. Mark chapter 5, verse 30 says this. And Jesus immediately, and Jesus knowing, in immediately himself, knowing in himself that virtue had, that gone, out virtue of him. had 
gone out of him. Turned him about in the press. Now look, he knew it had happened. Past tense. Do you see that? Not he knew virtue was going out. Or he knew virtue was about to go out. Or he stood there and said, now, do I want to do this for this woman or not? But the Bible says that he immediately knew it had already happened. It was already done. By the time the man, now we're talking about the man. We understand the distinction between flesh and divinity, right? Humanity and divinity, flesh and spirit. Spirit knows all things. But we're talking about the man Christ Jesus. By the time the man Christ Jesus realized what had happened, it had already happened. He didn't have time to decide is she worthy or not worthy. He didn't have time to decide will I do it or won't I do it. Is it my will or is it not my will? She had made a statement She'd put her foot down that as soon as I touch his clothes, it's going to happen. And it happened exactly as she believed that it would before the man Christ Jesus could even decide whether or not it would be. It had already been settled. Now, let me show you something. Let me show you something. She said, if I may but touch his clothes. But look at what Jesus said brought this healing about. Now, now please get this. She believed that it was her touch of his clothes. But Jesus straightened that out. Once he had turned around and said, who touched me? And the disciples said, what in the world are you talking about? There's all kinds of people bumping up against you. Everybody's touching you right now. What do you mean who touched? And Jesus said, no, no, somebody touched me. And boy, I tell you, I could preach right there for quite a while. Because not everybody that's touching Jesus is touching him the same way. Not everybody that's raising their hands in an apostolic service is raising them in the same way. Well, there were a lot of people touching him that day, but this woman reached out and touched him in desperation, and she touched him in faith. And there's some people that just raise their hands because they're told, raise your hands. There's some people that clap their hands because they're told, clap their hands, or they like the beat of the music. Well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being pastor this morning. What do you expect? Hallelujah. I'm not an evangelist. I'm a pastor. I got to do some pastoring. So not everybody worships the same in a service. Even though they may be doing the same form of worship. A lot of people touched him. But only one person got what they needed. And I wonder how many services, while we're all up here singing, he'll do it again for you he'll do it again and we're oh yes thank you Jesus thank you. but all of a sudden heaven stops and they say what's the matter Lord and he says somebody 
touched me. Well, yeah, I see all those folks sitting out there. I, I see. They all got their hands. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I, I know they've all got their hands up. But somebody touched me. Somebody believed what they were singing about. Somebody had some faith. The apostle said it this way. He said, they heard the same thing we heard, but the word didn't do them any good because they didn't mix it with faith. I'm telling you, somehow we got to mix this thing with some faith. While I'm preaching to you right now, some of you are saying amen, but others are saying amen. Some of you are just agreeing with what the preacher said, but some are putting their foot down on some promises. We got to mix this thing with faith. We got to believe that what God said, he means it. Woo! Oh yeah, a crowd touched him. But one woman really touched him. Because nobody else was saying, if I can just touch him. Everybody else was kind of doing it by accident. They're all just in the crowd. Oh, Lord, help me. This is not my sermon today. But that's the way a whole lot of folks are in a congregation. They're feeling his presence. They're bumping up against him, but it's kind of by accident. But, thank God for those that are not just in the service, bumping up against him by accident. Thank God for those that came here today saying, you know, I really need something, Jesus. And when you see my hands up, you can know this for sure. I'm reaching out to touch him. Because if I can but touch. Just one touch. If I could just get that one touch. It'd make all the difference. Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I started to say this. I want to be careful because I'm about to make it sound like I'm contradicting everything I just said. But, but understand, understand. She said, if I may but touch his clothes. But when Jesus explained what happened, I want you to listen to his explanation. This is Mark chapter 5, verse 34. Listen to this. And he said unto her, Daughter, Daughter, thy faith hath made thy thee whole. faith. Go in peace and be whole of hang thy on, plague. Hang on. Daughter, thy touch hath made thee whole. Oh, that's not what he said. Now, that's what she said. If I can just touch him. And he's correcting this. It's not the physical touch that brought it about. Because a lot of people touched him. And he didn't say, daughter, my clothes have made thee whole. Somebody catch that UFO. Hallelujah. Uh, If somebody's listening online didn't hear that noise, there was some buzzing that just came through the PA system. So anyhow, we got that fixed. All right, so um, 
he didn't say, daughter, my clothes has, have made thee whole. He's straightening out her thinking. I want you to understand, it's not in the physical touch. And it's not in the garments I have on. But here's why you're whole. Your faith. It was your faith. There was something about it that you really believed it in that moment. And it was your faith that pulled that healing out of me. It was your faith. Oh, hallelujah. I'm here to preach to somebody. I'm telling you, I am here to proclaim to somebody. It may have been years ago when the promise came, but God saw and he understood. And at that moment, your faith started the ball rolling. Now that ball may be slow and it may be a long hill, but it's going to pick up speed. And one of these days, that promise is going to collide with you it's coming my friend it is headed your way because your faith pulled it out listening to elder davis he was talking about his mama being on her deathbed he said i went to see her And he said, I went over to pray for her. And he said, I started praying, Lord, would you touch? And he he said, she reached up and grabbed my hand and said, now, son. He said, I stopped praying and looked. She said, you put the will of God in this prayer. He said, that was tough for me to swallow. But I did it. He said, but mama knew, mama knew I had faith. And mama just wanted the will of God to be done. And if that meant it was her time, she was ready to go. Now, I don't know if you're getting what I'm telling you, but his whole point was this. She understood that the elder had the kind of faith that if he prayed for God to heal her, that faith was going to move God and God was going to reach down and heal her. And she was there saying, you know what? Heaven sounding sweeter all the time. If God wants to heal me, that's fine, but I sure don't mind going on to be with him. So you just put it in his hands and let the will of God be done. Well, hallelujah. Oh, God, I wish some of us could get that kind of faith. I wish some of us could get that kind of faith. Well, this little woman was an outcast. She was rejected. She was despised. I preached on it some time back. Because of this particular disease, she was considered unclean. By all of the Jews, that meant all of her family, all of her religion. She was not allowed to attend synagogue. She couldn't go to church. She was not allowed to go to church. They kept her away from church. She was unclean. If she had a husband, her husband could not be with her. She was unclean. They couldn't so much as touch her. If she had kids, her kids could not hug their mama. She was unclean. 
12 years, everybody considered her unclean. But Jesus turned around and said, daughter, you're not an outcast to me. Jesus didn't care about any of that. One thing moved the heart of God in flesh. That woman had faith. You hear me? Are you listening to me? There's so many things I could pull from the scripture. And I don't have time to go into all of them today. In fact, my, I didn't realize my time is almost up. I, 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 I wish today I had time to go into the full story of the Syrophoenician woman. You understand that, that she went to the disciples and they pushed her aside. Because she was not worthy. She was a Gentile. She didn't deserve to get an answer. It was not the time for the Gentiles. And even when she went to Jesus, he ignored her at first. And then when he did speak to her, he called her a dog. But it did not dissuade her. And she said, you're right, Lord, I'm nothing but a dog. I wish some of you would get this kind of attitude. So he said, I'm nothing but a dog. I'm no good. I'm just so God won't do it. That's not the attitude this woman had. She said, I know I'm a dog, but even the dogs get the crumbs. I'm not asking you to take food off the children's table. I'm just saying, give me what they don't want. And Jesus said, I have not found this kind of faith even in all of Israel. He didn't care that she was a Gentile. What touched him was her faith. I'm preaching to somebody. If you can just put your foot down, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you're like. It doesn't matter what your past is. If you put your faith in God, God will respond to your faith. I got to close. I got to close. James 5, 14, still true. Thank you. I'm glad me and you will believe it. Wait, that's bad grammar. I'm glad you and I believe it. Uh, James 5, 14, still true. All right, we got a few more that's jumping on board. Some of you don't know what James 5.14 is. Put it up there on the wall, sister, so they'll, so they'll know what James 5.14 is. Any sick among you? Oh, now some of you, yeah. I'm glad James 5.14 is still true. Oh, there, now we all got it. We all know what we're talking about, right? Is it sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. In the name of the Lord. And, and what? Do we have verse 15? I may have forgot to tell you to put verse 15. But you, you, you're good. Sister Jasmine's good at this. She's doing a great job. I'm going to brag on a little bit because I'm really putting her here. Spot. She's hiding behind that screen. But I'm going to just. She's doing a great job back there. And uh, hallelujah. Verse 15 is, is the capstone of all this. Any sick among you? And he said, verse 15, he said, and the prayer of faith. I like that word. I like that word. This is one of the things I, I picked up from Elder McLean. And I, I've said it here before, but I'll never forget the service, Elder McLean. And he was also a man of faith. 
And uh, Elder McLean, I remember him standing on the platform, Apostolic Temple in, in, in Pasadena, Texas, and him standing on the platform, and he got to preaching. And he, I, don't even, I don't know what scripture he used. I just remember him using this word. And he said, he said, shall, 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 shall. Shall, 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 shall. Shall, 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 shall. Some of you still hadn't got it. Shall, 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 shall. There's no question in that word. There's no possibility in that word. There's no probability in that word. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up and if he have committed sins they shall oh wait I've been doing stuff I should and if he's committed sin they shall you're going to try to convince me that you're not worthy for God to honor his own word I'm here to tell you God's just looking for somebody to put their foot down that's all he wants that's all he wants my old pastor used to say, God, God's got armloads of gifts and nobody to give them to. People just won't believe. They just won't believe. They just won't believe. He's looking for somebody. He's looking for somebody that'll just put their foot down and say, God, I believe it. I believe it, God. I believe it, God. Will you give me just a couple more minutes here? Give me just a couple more minutes. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Moses. Moses. You know, two things Moses really desired from God. Two things he really wanted. I won't take the time to go get the scriptures for you. But you can search it out. It's there. One thing Moses like every Israelite that left Egypt, Moses wanted to set foot in that promised land. He'd spent 40 years wandering in that wilderness with a hope in his heart to get to that land that had been promised to his forefathers. He wanted to go there. But Moses transgressed against God and God said, I'm going to take you on this side of Jordan. You're going to die on this side, Moses. Joshua was going to take the children of Israel over. That had to have broken Moses' heart. Put up with those people for 40 years, listen to their griping, grumbling, complaining. God gave them miracle bread. They said, that's not good enough. Didn't matter what God did. Never good enough. And he put up with it 40 years. Even stood in the gap, begged God not to kill him. God, Moses said, God, kill me. Don't kill them, kill me. 
And then God said, you're going to die on this side. Oh, that had to be tough. Moses wanted to go into that land. He wanted to go. There's one other thing that I see that Moses asked God for that God seems to tell him no. That is Moses said, God, show me your glory. I'm going to see your glory. And God said, no man can see me and live. He said, tell you what, Moses, you just, I'm going to show you a little place over here and you stand there. I'll pass by and I'll let you see my hinder parts. And I, I, I believe, and many others believe, that what he meant by that, because God's not a man, God's a spirit that fills the universe. And, and, and what many believe, and I believe, is that God, when he was talking about showing Moses his hinder parts, he was talking about the things that were in the past, that that's how Moses could so accurately write these first five books of the Bible, talk about the details of creation, what happened on what day, and talk about all the things with Adam and, and Cain killing Abel and all the things. That's how Moses could write all that because God showed him all that while he stood there in that place. But he had asked to see God's glory. But let me tell you something. Moses, Moses died somewhere around 1450 B.C., 1450 years before Christ. Somewhere, somewhere in that time period, give or take a few years. And then some, let's just say 1500 years later, I want you to listen to this, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, beginning with verse number 2. And after six after days, six days Jesus, taketh with him Jesus Peter, takes Peter, James, James and, John, and John, and leads them up into a high, to a high mountain, mountain apart, apart by, themselves. by themselves. And he was transfigured, was transfigured before, them. before them. Read. His raiment became, His raiment shining, became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no, no fuller, fuller on earth, on earth could white them. them. Now look at this. And there appeared, and unto, there them. appeared unto them Elias Elijah and Moses. Moses. And they were talking with and Jesus. Wait a minute. Where, where, where is all this happening? Where's all this taking place? It's taking place in the promised land. Moses has been dead 1,500 years. Moses died thinking God said, I'm not going to give you that. I, I'm not going to let you have that. Moses died thinking, that's one thing I'll never get, but I'm telling you 1,500 years in the grave and one day God said, hey Moses, wake up. Wake up. I'm not through with you. We're going on a little trip today. I'm going to take you somewhere you've been waiting to go because I remember the day Moses I still see the footprint I, I still remember and who is he talking to I'll tell you who he's talking to and the word was made flesh and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten the father full of grace and truth. You know what happened? 1,500 years later, God took Moses to the promised land and let him see God's glory. Yeah. 
I'm here to preach to somebody. If you'll just put your foot down today, it may not have come yet, but it's not over, honey. It's not over. Give God a chance. Give God a chance. Oh, let's stand. Let's stand.